What on earth is going on? Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feeder podcast by Christadelphian Video. We're introducing to you now a 12-part video series um, based on a seminar that was presented in Wales in early 2022. And the premise is regarding our own position in relation to Bible prophecy. For example, have you ever considered the detail with which the Bible records events ahead of time? Or have you ever looked into the archaeological and historical evidence that supports its claims? You might actually be surprised. The evidence can provide solid foundation to trust all that it has to say, motivating faith and hope for the promised future which is found within the pages of Scripture. This series was actually presented as a six-week introductory seminar to this subject by four presenters who are passionate about each subject and the hope that it provides. We've split those four, those six weeks into 12 separate presentations um, for just for ease of consumption. The series was brought together originally over Zoom um, in locations across South Wales, Newquay, Port Lethem, Taymouth and Taunton. So this, as I say, is the premise, the introduction really to the series and I hope you sincerely enjoy the following classes that we provide. Who are the prophets? Last week at the first of our series of seminars we were able to introduce the whole series and looked at why we can trust the Bible. We considered how its message can be relevant for us today. And we explored the evidence of archaeology which supports the, the big biblical record. The two presentations this evening are, are going to be on the themes of what is a prophet and what is prophecy, which I'm going to deliver. And my name is Paul, as you can see there. Um, and I live in Dawlish, just along the road from Tynmouth, where we're meeting here in our, our hall, in the Christadelphian Hall. And uh, later, John um, will be presenting on the theme as it was in the days of Noah and Lot after we've had a, a short break. And so the scope of what we're going to think about is, well, what is a prophet? Who were they? What was their purpose? When were they at work? And do they have a message for us, for you and for me? And the references I'm using from the Bible today, I've taken from the English Standard Version, which is a, a recent translation of the Bible in modern English, but based on the the authorised version and revised standard version tradition. Well, last week, um, this slide appeared, um, and uh, the man with the head in his sand and the ostrich effect was something that uh, Dieter talked to us about. And, and it's so easy, isn't it, in, in a world full of challenges and issues and, and problems, to actually put your head in the sand and, and just say, well, I'm just going to live my life. I'm just going to... to um, not be concerned about those events. But obviously there is the future, there is the past, and, and we live in the present. And what we want to share with you tonight is that while we don't need to put our hand in the sa head in the sand, God does have a plan and a purpose 
And that's what we're going to think about in the message of the prophets. I want to take an analogy from recent events. I'm sure this curve is very familiar to us over the last two years. And the analogy is this, that the modelers who were looking at the impact of the pandemic as it started saw that it was likely to peak and then in time that it would diminish as more and more people were affected by the virus. But they suggested, having looked at what they thought the forecast for the future would be, that if people modified their behavior with social distancing and mask wearing and the like, then the, the curve could be flattened and a different outcome could be achieved. Well, the analogy that I'm trying to draw there is, is although I'm not obviously saying that the, the, um, the, the modelers were prophets, they were looking into the future. And they were suggesting that if we modify behavior, the future could be somewhat different. And in a sense, that's what the message of the prophets is all about. It's about looking at the future, but also challenging us about how we behave now and how we respond to what they've got to say. To give another analogy, as we've been explaining, we're here in Tynmouth, uh, and the broadcast is coming from Porthleven. And if we try to make the journey, well, the, the straight line version of that, as the crow flies, would, would in, have a number of problems, crossing rivers, going over a bit of Dartmoor, and then we'd hit the small matter of the sea in terms of a direct line. And so we need a map for the journey. We need signposts on the way, as, as our logo for this series suggests. And we need a, a way of, of finding our way through from Tynmouth to, to Port Levin with the aid of those, those helps. Well, the prophets are a bit like that. They can be a guide for the, the journey of life and for the, 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 the implications of what can happen for the future and how we might be able to respond in our own lives and, and find a, a place in God's plan. So we're going to look then at our Bibles and think about the message of God's prophets through scripture and that's what we're going to focus on now this evening if we open our bible well we find we've got one book which i'm holding here there's my bible it's um, one bound volume but within it are 66 books and here they are laid out in the bookshelf for book shelf format um, and and presenting to us the various types of books within the bible and so we have um, history and poetry and then we have what we're thinking about particularly this evening prophecy uh, all in the Old Testament and the the prophets can be divided into two groupings um, major prophets who uh, wrote significant uh, parts of the Bible and what are called minor prophets who wrote shorter parts of the Bible and then we turn to to the New Testament to the time of the Lord Jesus Christ so everything that's above uh, that line of the New Testament is is before Christ and everything below is is um, at the time of Christ or shortly afterwards and we have the gospel messages of the life of Jesus uh, and then immediately what followed in the in the early church in Acts uh, letters that were written in, in Revelation so the Bible is made up of of a significant number of books 66 of them all together and if we just look at the, the Old Testament books, well, 
we can pile them up in a different sort of way and, and look and see, well, we've got the early days with the law um, and God's choice of, of the people of, of Israel and choice of Abraham, which Dieter talked about last week. And, th and then we have history, um, which sets forth what happened with the Jewish people and the people of Israel. Um, followed by some poetry where the, we find the Psalms, for example. And then the, the final stack of books is, is the stack of the, the books of, of prophecy. Uh, if we think about those books that made that final stack, um, then we find ourselves looking at uh, um, books that were written about 700 years before the, the Lord Jesus Christ was born. Uh, and there's some of the early books. And then over time, rather more were written. And I'm put on here the, the principal um, empires that, that ruled much of the world at, that, at these times, Assyria, Babylon, and Persia. And these prophet, prophets all spoke and, and wrote what they, uh, we have in our Bibles during these time periods. And so what I want to do now is just take one example um, from the prophet Isaiah. And you'll see that his um, one of the first to speak out and, and provide us with um, the, the words that God gave him uh, in our Bibles. And so we're going to think about the message of Isaiah. Now, we can't possibly look at the whole scope of what Isaiah has to say because it runs to 66 books. And, and this book was introduced to us last week by, by Nigel when he was looking at archaeological evidence for uh, reliability of the Bible. And he, he talked about the Dead Sea Scrolls and the discovery um, in the late 40s of a whole series of clay jars in caves at Qumran in southern Israel um, which contained manuscripts. And the one in respect of the, the book of Isaiah um, was almost complete. And to all intents and purposes, um, highly similar, very similar, um, with, without significant um, change to the version that we have in front of us now. And so its integrity had been maintained for 2,000 years. And so we can, we can look at this and see, well, here is a scroll found about 100 years before the birth of Jesus, written about 100 years before the birth of Jesus, um, that's available to us uh, to, to look at what it has to say. And it's, it's a reliable text. That's the key point that Nigel was sharing us, with us last week. And so as we look at the prophet Isaiah and think about his message, we can have confidence in it. And the book opens in this way, that it's a, a vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So he's given us the time at which he was writing. He's telling us who it concerned. Uh, and it, he was prophesying about 730 years before the Lord Jesus. And there we have a picture of Jerusalem as it's uh, perceived at, at his time with, as a walled city, um, one that, that people thought was impregnable. So we can ask the question, well, what was it that he spoke about? Now, last week, uh, Dieter went through um, how the Abraham had been called by God to come to this land, this land of Israel. And we're now um, 1,300 years or so beyond the point where he was called to come and live here. And, and the people, his descendants, the Jews, um, have formed the kingdom of Israel uh, and, and Judah. And uh, so they're living here, um, a significant nation, um, but they're under threat. And that's 
the problem that they face. And so God causes Isaiah to speak to them. And we immediately find that there's a really significant um, major problem. God says of them, you're a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. You've forsaken the Lord. You've despised the Holy One of Israel and are utterly estranged. And so a people who had been called by God to follow his ways and to live in accordance with how he, wanted, he was seeking them to live had turned away from him. And that is the burden of the message of Isaiah all the way through his, his 66 books. And he challenges the people in terms of their behavior. And so remember that graph that I showed you a moment ago uh, and think about what I said about um, the modelers looking at what might happen and how if behavior changes, then what will happen might change in some way. Well, the rest of this chapter goes on to, to give us in detail what was wrong. And uh, I'm just going to pick one verse that illustrates that because what he's inviting them to do is to, is to wash themselves and make themselves clean, um, to cease to do evil, to learn to do good, to seek justice and correct oppression, bring justice to the fathers and plead the wazoo's cause. So we've seen that they'd already turned away against God's way, but also many were living in, in, a, in an indulgent way, in a way which wasn't caring for their neighbor, and they're being challenged about that. And so he goes on to, to invite them to um, come now and let's reason together. And what we have portrayed here is God's willingness to forgive. Their behavior was unacceptable, but the prophet is saying to them, you can change, you can be different. Though your sins like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they'll become like wool. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so he's giving them there a choice, and he's giving them two different outcomes that could come as a result of how they respond to this message. Um, if, they, if they change and seek the Lord as um, God wanted of them, then they would find that they would eat of the good of the land. But if they chose the other way, they would be rejected. And sadly, ultimately, that's what was what happened. They chose the course of rebellion. But, and this is the wonderful but, um, the prophet gives them, throughout his prophecy, a number of little cameos, little pictures of hope. And chapter 2 opens with such an example of that. And so along with the message of challenge and warning um, of what might befall them, he also gives them encouragement and something to, to grasp hold of that there will be a time when things will be much better. And I think on a day like today, when we're in five days into a major European war, this is a message which we can really take hold of for ourselves today uh, and be encouraged by. Because Isaiah was asked to speak of times much later than his own. It shall come to pass in the latter days, and we believe that those latter days are the sort of days that we're living in, 
that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all nations shall flow to it and many people shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So Isaiah is telling us, he's foretelling under the inspiration of God that there will come a time when Jerusalem will be raised up. It will be a focal point where people will want to go to learn about God's way. That wasn't what it was like at the time of Hezekiah, but it's going to be like that in the future, in the latter days. And the consequences of people learning God's way is this wonderful picture. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And so a picture of hope is given there of the Lord Jesus Christ having come back to the earth as we understand this prophecy to be fully speaking about and, and that peace will be established in a troubled world. And isn't that a wonderful message for today in what we're seeing and hearing about in Ukraine? There's a sculpture there in the right-hand picture and it's portraying exactly what's said here of a sword being beaten into a plowshare. It's a sculpture that's outside the United Nations building. But I think this is something that man will fail to bring about with the 500 and more conflicts that have happened since the, the Second World War. But it's something we can look to the Lord Jesus as we prayed in the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the Lord Jesus will bring about that change and that peace. So what have we learned about the message of the prophet? It's not just someone who tells the future, but rather someone who puts forward future events into a context for now and seeks a response. And so it can be described as forthtelling and foretelling. And that's really what the analogy was looking at. Forthtelling what people might do and foretelling what might happen in different sets of circumstances. And, and here the prophet is doing that. He's called by God and authorized to speak for him, we saw. Um, he was warning. He was encouraging. He was calling people to turn to God. And they help us understand what's likely to unfold. Well, not just what's likely to unfold, what will unfold in, in the course of time. And often, when we look at their message, it's easier for us to understand it when it's actually happened, and we can see it in retrospect. And prophets give us hope. And so that's what a prophet is. Someone who looks uh, into the future, but also looks at the present and encourages people to respond to God and be part of his plan and purpose. So we just go back to our stack of books and think about, well, how did those prophets fit in with the history? And just wanted to build a little picture here of, of, a, of a timeline so that we have a, a feeling for 
what time period is covered by these books that we're, we're thinking about. Uh, as I said <coughs> earlier, Dieter um, introduced Abraham to us, and he lived 2,000 years before the Lord Jesus. He was called to come to the land of Israel and establish his family. Uh, and then, um, rushing through history, we, we come to a point where the people wanted to have a king ruling over them. Um, and we have the early kings of Saul, David, and Solomon. Um, after Solomon, the nation split. Um, and there were uh, two tribes in the south around Jerusalem um, who were ruled by Roboam, and then ten tribes in the north um, who um, were north of Jerusalem. And the history of the, 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 Judah, the Judah kingdom went through ten kings, one queen, and we came to Hezekiah, the one that we mentioned a little earlier, um, and then following on down to a king called Zedekiah, and the destruction that Isaiah foretold happened under his reign, and the people went into captivity. After 70 years, they were able to return from captivity. So that's a very quick and, um, overview of the history of the people of Israel. But now let's just think about the prophets who spoke. And we've already talked about Isaiah speaking at the time of Hezekiah. Uh, a bit later, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then during the captivity period, Daniel. Um, so those are, the, those are the major prophets that we come across in our Bibles. Um, one of the more minor ones is, is Zechariah, although it's quite a significant prophecy that he gave, and we'll probably come to that later in this series. But he, he spoke to the people at the time they returned from captivity, one of the latest prophets. And there's two there you'll see that's in italics. They were also prophets, but didn't write books that we have today in our, in our Bible. Nevertheless, they, they did speak to the people. They spoke to the rulers and warned them and called them in the same way as we've seen with Isaiah to respond to God. Because what the, the, the prophets were doing was speaking for God. The Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? So the, the prophet is saying there, God is speaking through me. I've got no alternative but to roar out his message and share it with those that will listen. And so we have throughout the books of the prophets these words, the word of the Lord came to me saying, or thus says the Lord. It's a message from God. And the test of whether it was from God is given us in one of those early books. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that's a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has not spoken. Uh, he's spoken presumptuously, and you need not be afraid of him. So God is saying there can be a test that you can apply to a prophet when he speaks. Does what he say happen? And so we can think about that in the context of what we might call a short-term prophecy that's going to happen in the lifetime of the prophet or the people that he's speaking to. And if, and if that comes true, then what he says in the much longer term, like the one we looked at with Isaiah and God establishing peace in the earth, then we can start to have some confidence. So just going back to our, our books uh, in the Bible of prophets, there's the prophet Ezekiel. I'm just going to give one example of a prophecy that was fulfilled, partly in the timeline of, of Ezekiel himself, but also a little later. 
Tyre was a, a major trading um, city. It was a mini-state. Um, and it's, it's located in what we would now call South Lebanon. And they traded widely. Um, it was a, a major sea power. Uh, it acted well beyond its size in terms of its wealth. But its reliance was upon pride and, and wealth in, in what it had. And when Jerusalem came into difficulties at the time of Hezekiah, well then they saw they could take advantage. And, and later, when the Jerusalem was uh, about to be overrun, um, they saw they could take advantage uh, at the time of that final king, Zedekiah. And so God says he's going to bring nations against them, and Nebuchadnezzar is going to lay siege. And here we have um, a quick summary of what the prophet says. I'm against you, Tyre, and will bring up many nations against you as the sea brings up its waves. They shall destroy the walls of Tyre and break down her towers, and I'll scrape her soil from her, make her a bare rock. She shall be in the midst of the sea, a place for the spreading of nets. For I have spoken, declares the Lord God, and she shall become plunder for the nations. So key points. Um, God says, I will bring up many nations against you as the sea brings up its waves, because they're a maritime um, nation, and so that's a, an appropriate picture. Those nations are going to destroy the walls of Tyre and break down her towers. The city's going to be actually scraped and become a bare rock, and she'll be in the midst of the sea, a place for the spreading of nets. For I have spoken, she shall become a plunder for the nations. Well, that prophecy came full, was fulfilled. The first wave of nations to come against Tyre was King Nebuchadnezzar, who was also the one that took Zedekiah into captivity, which we, we mentioned a, a moment ago. They had to lay siege to Tyre for 13 years before they could overcome it and conquer it. And that occurred roughly in the mid-580s to 570s. And so at that point, the city decided to re-establish itself on an island that was off the shore. And you can see that in the, in the map that I've taken from a site on the internet. The city was destroyed, but the kingdom retreated. Then, about 250 years later, the island of Tyre, which was still successfully trading, fell to Alexander the Great and the Greeks. And the way he did it was to take the old city and dump it all in the sea and create a causeway between the mainland and the island. And that's what we would now see if we looked at a Google map of, of Tyre. We'd see it as a promontory um, and not a separate island. And so effectively he scraped the rock and dumped it in the sea in order that they could then bring their siege engines against the island city of, of Tyre. And then it was fully destroyed. And the prophecy that Ezekiel gave was both fulfilled in part in his lifetime and then to 250 or so years later in completely. The total destruction of the city was fulfilled as prophesied in detail by Ezekiel. Well, I'm coming now towards the end of what I'm going to share with you this evening, but I hope that what we've looked at has given you some reasons to think about, well, prophecies can be relied upon that are, are found in the Bible. Um, I've been focusing on the Old Testament, but of course the New Testament, what, the books that were written just after the time of the Lord Jesus Christ and, 
and the early church. These books, well, do they have prophecy in them? Well, there's one book that's full of prophecy, and that's the very last book in our Bible, is the book of Revelation. And others have prophecy as well. So Jesus was a prophet. And we're going to think about Jesus as a prophet in our second talk this evening. The Apostle John was the one that was the, the writer of the book of Revelation. And the apostles, particularly Peter and Paul, in their speeches and in their letters, were also prophets. And we'll, I think, think about Peter as a prophet as well in our second talk. And so the New Testament has prophecy and prophets as well. But the conclusion I wanted to share with you then is it's not just somebody who tells the future. It's, rather, it's someone who puts forth future events into context for now and seeks a response, forthtelling and foretelling. He's called by God, authorized to speak for him. He warns, he encourages, and he's, call, he's calling people to turn to God. Help, prophets help us to understand what's likely to unfold, and it's often easier to see that in retrospect, as it would have been at Tyre. But most of all, they give us hope, as that picture of peace gives us hope. And so prophets are a guide for the journey of life, as we mentioned earlier. And three things for you to think about. What would help you to have confidence in the message of the Bible? Um, does the fact that there are examples of fulfilled prophecy help? And what's the implications, do you think, for us of what we read in Isaiah's message? Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.